Welcome to Season 2 of the Filament Games Podcast, a show dedicated to game-based learning. Here are your hosts, Brandon Pitzer and Dan Norton. Oh, that beat drops. Yeah, just goes away. Abby's voice is like a vocal hug. You know? Yeah, it's like yeah. when I die, if I'm at some giant gate, we're being like a pronouncement over my entire life. I really hope it's narrated by Abby. <laughs> that would make it go so much better. Well, she did say that her, her next path in her career is to kill you. Oh so. yeah, that's right. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, you have yeah. To, I mean that's that's how it works though. You like to become a martial arts master, you yeah. have to kill your sensei. It's yeah, that's it's that's like, how it is. That's yeah. what that's in her job uh, description. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> and honestly, there's there's worse ways to go. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Film and Games podcast. I'm Brandon Pitzer. Uh, he is Brandon Pitzer, and I am Dan Norton. That's slamming, rhyming Dan Norton over there. <laughs> <laughs> I usually go with rhyming and stealing. You're like, Dan, what are you up to? I'm like, you know, rhyming, stealing. <laughs> stealing rhymes. Stealing rhymes. Being a biter. Yep. <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to talk about some exciting stuff today in terms of conferences, because we've just been on the road. That's right. For a while. It's true. Yeah, I was in New York, and then I was in Denver. Now I'm back here. Where were you? Uh, I was just hopping trains for a while there. Got, you know, <laughs> looking for to find myself. Just rhyming. Yeah. No, I went I went to a really cool conference in New York, too. Oh. A different part of New York, though. Oh, well, mm. that's annoying. I didn't know you were in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what part of it? I was uh, in the Catskills. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't like, I wasn't in New York City. You're like down in Manhattan, just no. avoiding me. Yeah. Oh, God, he's over there. <laughs> Keep it cool. <laughs> I went up to the Catskills a couple of years ago. It's lovely up there. It was lovely. Yeah. yeah. I went to the Tibetan Monastery. Mm. Very beautiful. Very beautiful. Nice. Well, so um, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I experienced at the two shows that I went to. One was Games for Change. That's the New York show. And mm-hmm. then the other was ISTE, the International Society for Technology and Education. Nice. Uh, that show rotates through cities every year. Uh, this year it was in Denver. Next year it will be in San Antonio. And the year after that it will be in Chicago. That's right. Right in our home That toddle in town. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be cool. Um, but so... Uh, Talking about Games for Change a little bit, um, there was an awful lot of VR, AR chatter, of course. That's uh, definitely making waves in the industry right now. People, uh, you know, I wonder sometimes if it's that if it's that it is truly something that people are excited about as as devs at these shows, or if it's something that they know will get the attention of the attendees. <laughs> um, mm. Because some of the stuff, uh, and I'll get a little bit more into that when I talk about ISTE, but yeah, some of the stuff seemed a little half-baked, to be honest. Um, but I think what I would say my main takeaway was from Games for Change is that um, you know, they really focused in on the learning games market this year. Really talked about learning games more hmm. so than just games for impact. Interesting, um, because that's that's kind of their whole mo is games for impact, serious yeah. games that that do some kind of good in the world. Um, which is why we work so closely with them because our mission is to create playful experiences that improve people's lives. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, it it, it was uh, it was very focused on learning games, which I thought was really exciting. Um, it was also you know even a little bit intimidating. There's it's it's getting uh, crowded in this space. There's a lot of people with really great ideas about uh, learning games, and got a lot of competition out there. Darn um, it. But but I mean, we're better than that. Yeah, you're in for the good old days when everyone around us were just dumb. <laughs> We're like, Aha! we just have to not be dumb, and then we'll be on the cutting edge. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's too bad. There's a lot of uh, a lot of really good competitors out there. Darn it! Um, but you know, I think that's exciting overall for just the learning game space. Oh, I yeah. think adding more betterment of mankind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Credibility, yeah. legitimacy yeah. for the whole market. <laughs> uh, whatever. Um, but yeah. Um, some of the cool stuff I saw there <clears throat> included, you know, those VR AR demos. Um, Saw a session about open source uh, in encephalography, basically uh, like a Raspberry Pi type headset that you could put on and use to read your brain waves, and you could just build it out of just kind of commonly available stuff. Um, so it's like trying to open source this this hardware. I instantly pictured a colander. I yeah, have well, to yeah. Admit. yeah. Well, of course. Yes. <laughs> it looked like a colander. There you go. Like a colander made out of Kinex. Yes. That's how I would do it. Right. Kinex is a plastic. Yeah. Tinker Toy. It's like Tinker Toys for adolescents, maybe. It's like a step up from Tinker Toys Advanced. I'm belaboring the point, aren't I? Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, so that was kind of interesting. And then, um, yeah, uh, we had some really good conversations with, with other devs that uh, were excited to kind of look at what they've got. Um, had a really cool conversation with... Um, a gentleman who is making a game called Affordance, or wor- sorry, works at Affordance Studios. And he made a game called Ready to Negotiate, which is heavily focused on this concept of information gap learning. Oh. So you're like kind of on opposite ends of a transaction, and each person, you know, through like some kind of mobile device, and each person gets a different set of information in a different language, and they have to make a deal with one another to kind of like exchange their like you know, asymmetrical data, basically. And it's a language learning thing. Oh, that sounds super good. Yeah, it was neat. It was really neat. Um, so check that out. You had me at asymmetrical. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, he actually, like, he opened my eyes to the fact that there's this, uh, like, a body of research about this, and it's called information gap learning, um, that I'm going to uh, do a little bit more of my own exploration of and uh, probably write an article about it at some point in the near future. Interesting. Yeah. Um, can, you, can you give me and our viewers a quick rundown on the the basic premise yeah i mean basically um you know i guess for an example um that what they're simulating is like if you were in a marketplace in a foreign country yes so we know that there's the basic human understanding of like you give me currency and i give you goods Uh (laughs) um but but so they take that kind of core understanding and then they extrapolate it and add in more complexity by being like well i don't know what that object is you know like i I know that's an apple in my language but i have to infer what you know what word you use for apple when we're discussing it so it's kind of like yeah it's basically that a mismatched set of of information mm-hmm. that the two players try to synthesize through conversation. Huh. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah, it was pretty neat. All right, let's get him on the podcast. I would like to. Yeah. yeah. He's a wonderful guy. All right. Um and I'm sure he's better now. He was he had a little bit of a cold when I talked to him last time, so I think he's recovered. Um and then uh Isti um that that show is very K12 oriented, um very 
exhibition oriented. We had held we had a booth there. We talked to a lot of teachers and administrators uh, about the filament learning website and mm-hmm. kind of the library that we offer to schools. So that was really exciting. Um, and this is where I, I kind of wanted to touch on that AR VR thing. Um, I went around and looked at all the different displays of VR and AR, and it's very clear to me that while people are excited about it, they don't know yet what they should do with this totally. hardware. <laughs> totally. No one knows. It's exciting times. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, it's it's a cool platform. Everybody knows that this technology is going to make an impact of some kind. But, yeah. um, you know, I literally, I, I'm not going to, you know, um, name drop or anything, but I went to some booths where it was like they had a, you know, basically a, a, a headset that you could drop a phone into, similar to a Google Cardboard. Sure. Um, and just like a few very simple demos and then just like a sign with bullet points about like, you could use VR for this or this or this. It was just like, right. like their promo and their content was just kind of like a list of brainstormed ideas, just kind of like in bullet form. Um which I think you know isn't isn't harmful or anything, but it is I think reflective of the fact that people aren't quite there yet right. in terms of how this technology is really going to take take shape in the classroom. Well, I think you know just with that, just like in film, right? It took them a long time to be like a, a movie is not just a stage play with a camera next to it. Mm-hmm. To rather like, oh, you know, there are techniques that we can actually do with this camera that are different. Yep. And then some of those things are arguably better are learned to, you know, special strengths were uncovered that films can do that stage plays can't. Right. It took a while. It took a long time. Yep. Right. I, yeah. I have the utmost confidence that that will happen with this, yeah. with this technology because, because that's, yeah, it, on, on the one hand you have it, you have the fact that there's very little content, very little uh, strategy in place yet, mm-hmm. but um, the inclination is overwhelmingly apparent. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Hey, everybody wants to be doing this. Yep. Um, so yeah, I uh, also checked out the Minecraft EDU booth. Cool, um, that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It was in the, within the Microsoft booth because they now own that that line, and it was very much focused on just giving teachers mod powers, basically. Right. Um, and then there was some uh, light, lightly constructed lesson plans from other teachers with like mm-hmm. kind of recommended models for using the game. So I thought that was kind of neat. But yeah, Minecraft's a really. Um a really interesting space to think about for education because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, some of the hallmarks of Minecraft are open-endedness, right? That right. anything, you can do anything. But so there's just this constant tension, I think. If you want to use Minecraft as a very powerful tool to get students engaged and there's all kinds of critical thinking and experimentation and you know all these great things happen in Minecraft, but it like kind of violates the spirit if you're like, you're going to do this now. Right. And yeah. you're going to do it in the next half hour and we're going to find we're going to have everyone do the same thing. Yeah, a linear prescriptive Minecraft experience is yeah, right. it's not the it's just not the core of what people expect from that. Um but you know, I think I you know, we've seen this with like Marion Malmstrom, who's a former teacher fellow and a very enthusiastic user of just vanilla Minecraft mm-hmm. in her classroom, not even an education version. Mm-hmm. Um she creates boundaries without making it overly linear. Right. She, she gives kind of a broad set of restraints and then the students can just dive in and kind of, you know, feel like push the boundaries of what that actually means and totally. be inventive. So I think, you know, in the hands of the right educator, it's it could be a very powerful thing. Mm-hmm. So tell me about Ivo. Sure. Uh, so this year, I, I, 
Actually, I'll probably not talk a lot about this year's IVO, but it okay. I mean, makes me a good spot to talk about next year's IVO. Oh, okay. IVO is an organization called Images and Voices of Hope. Um, and their goal is to foster and support uh, positive media that has a restorative nature to it. So basically creating media across all the spectrums, films, journalism, games, uh, what have you. Uh, all right. <laughs> how can it be? How can those types of media actually wind up, you know, providing a positive emotional impact on the users? Um, and that's that's the organization's goal. Uh, it takes place in this lovely retreat on Catskills. It's great. Um, Very nice. And I, I, I don't. This year was essentially an internal, uh, smaller group to discuss future strategy on it. I'm I'm on the board for them. Oh, cool. Um, but and so next year is going to be a, a big, a big conference for that. And. If any of viewers are interested in, in going, you can drop me a line. I can talk to you about it. But I think one of the things that's really a big hallmark about it is that it's a, it is the most introvert-friendly conference I've ever been to in my life. There's <laughs> small group, very respectful discussions, lots of – it's really uh, – really built around the idea that people should be having high value conversations with people they'd like to be talking to. Uh, it's very respectful, safe, cool place. So that sounds awesome. It's super awesome. Very cool. So um, what kind of, I guess what, you know, in terms of what the plan is for next year, do you know if the conference has like a theme or kind of like a, a focus that, that you guys have dreamt up yet? Or is it kind of just broadly this media for good concept that you'll try to crystallize as the year proceeds? Uh, I think the real, yeah, I think that there isn't a external facing theme. I think internal of the organization, there's, it has a strong history and tradition with journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of the key members and a lot of the returning people who really love the conference have really strong ties to journalism, which is awesome. But I know as a, as a, a big step, they want to really broaden their media impact past journalism. Okay. That's part of why I'm now a, a part of the organization. You awesome. Know? Uh, and, uh, and they have a fellowship program, uh, which they so always like to celebrate work across different mediums every year. So it's another thing you can check out if you're making some interesting positive media. You can poke at their site and see if maybe you can apply for a fellowship. Um, and then you get to go there and showcase your stuff in front of a bunch of really cool people. That's conferences. That's travel. Yeah. I have another kind of interesting thing to talk about today. Yeah. Um, that that I heard you opining about yesterday. I wasn't even part of that conversation. I was just in a in a fern. Yeah. Just listening in. Well, as you know, Brandon, I'm want I'm want to opine on occasion. So. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, Pokemon Go came out yesterday. Yeah. 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 Everyone's flailing around trying to get it to work. Yep. People getting hit by cars. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, apparently uh, in an earlier version, uh, I was told this, I'm not, I don't know. Apparently in an earlier beta, the Pokemon would run from you. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to chase them down. Right. Yeah. Which would include running into traffic. Exactly. (laughs) That feature was removed. Uh, A wise move on their part, I believe. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean the, the the weird stories coming out of it, and in, in it's kind of like early stage, mm-hmm. you know, um, roughness. There's uh, Dan Troon, a former employee of Film, and I saw him talking about that um, he happens to be like he lives right over some kind of hotspot in the game. I think a Pokemon gym. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is, and people are like dropping 
bait all over the place there. And he said that his living room is just a train of duo duos. Wow. It's <laughs> like these weird two-headed birds just weird. constantly going through his, his living room. Mysterious. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the, the genre of that game is mobile, augmented reality, mm-hmm. real-world space kind of mashup mm-hmm. um, with some Pokemon thrown in. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that genre in general? I know it, it it drew a lot of influence and I think uses a lot of the same technology that Ingress yes, does. Yes, that's what I've heard too. Um, and Ingress was kind of a capture the flag sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not like the flag, I guess capture different points. Yep. Um, like Alterac Valley or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Just spread across your whole planet. Alterac Valley is a good analogy because it, it, that sense of futility and suffering <laughs> is actually a very common thread between those two. You, you must roll horde. Yeah. So, um, All right. Anyway, Blizzard talk. Yeah. So uh, I guess they all well, briefly. I played Ingress quite heavily, actually. OK. Um, and then I quit because I actually realized it was a game that was making me unhappy. <laughs> Because um, it's a game that uh, you build, uh, you take over waypoints and you connect them to each other with little fragile lines. And in theory, if you've made shapes, those collect a certain amount of points based on their area. Okay. Um, but in reality, it's far, far easier to destroy in that game than it is to build and preserve. All right. Um, and some people just want to watch the world. Burn. And ba- Well, basically, that's the game's point. It's like, <laughs> you're better off just burning the world. That's... <laughs> That is what you should be doing. Um, and That's that a lovely message. People who spend time building, unless they're building really awkward, deliberately planned things. Oh, that's our thing. If you make a shape, uh, no one can build anything inside that shape. Okay. So a very common thing to do would be to create, a, they, they were called fields, fields that cover like an entire city at once. So basically no one in town can play anymore Oh. until someone drives out of town to go to one of those points and right. blows it up. Right. Right. So there's a lot of like denying people the ability to play, ruining their things. Okay. Very grief uh, heavy. Very grief heavy. And All right. uh, the organization, as far as I can tell, was completely indifferent to cheating. So running <laughs> okay. multiple accounts, I think even GPS spoofing was more or less ignored. Oh, man. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, so so cheesy you, stuff was going on there. Yeah. And they just don't care. Yeah. Or I'm sure. Well, Maybe they if care, we have an English listener, I'm sure they'll be uh, <laughs> sending me an angry email. But yeah, I was very... Yeah. Ultimately, I was like, you know, this game is making me unhappy. Right. Well, uh, it was a huge game, right? It, yeah. it could be that they just they weren't even capable of acting on whether be. or not they cared. It could be. <laughs> you know, the I mean, problems there, of scale like that. Yeah. There was some un, unambiguously unacceptable harassment going on in that game. I and see. I know that those people were reported over and over and over, and there was just a giant shrug. Hmm. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I left that game and I was unhappy. Okay. Pokemon, obviously not that. Right. Uh, it doesn't look like it's built on make drinking the tears of your <laughs> your other players. Uh, and it sounds like there's a lot of stability issues right now. Yeah, I'm lot sure of server there's crashes. lots of people excited to play right now. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, I would say that uh, our art team went out collecting some Pokemon today. Okay. Saw them on the street, and uh, apparently some. Some young man approached them and were like, are you guys playing Pokemon 2? <laughs> so, uh, one, it's cool. it's cool to see augmented reality games sort of live up to the dream of actually facilitating social stuff. Exactly, right? yeah. And that, you know, I even found that... Um I even found that yesterday. I went out last night just to get some tacos and a couple mm-hmm. drinks, and th- totally people playing. Like, mm-hmm. you could tell in the bar, on the, on the sidewalk, and I was like, I think that is pretty special about it, is mm-hmm. it takes an IP that has 
obviously massive affinity mm-hmm. <laughs> like people love pokemon um people of all ages and so it's it's to me really interesting to see how you can take existing ip which has so much brand recognition and then put it on a game that will just have that instant like burst of yep. people using it um and i'm glad to see that it, it is not playing out like Mitomo did because I was rather disappointed by that. Oh, I don't know. I don't know this. So this was uh, a Nintendo app that had come out a month or two ago and it's very much just like you have a me like from the their Wii yeah, system yeah, or whatever yeah. um, and you can like interact with other people that have the app and it's basically just an app that facilitates simple social interactions for which you get points and then you can like buy clothes oh yeah yeah it's like there's there's almost no game there yeah it's it's just avatars with like because it's nintendo heavily sanitized means of interaction you know like you get very very limited ways that mm-hmm, you can talk mm-hmm. to one another to avoid anything offensive or not family friendly going on, mm-hmm. which is understandable. But for you know, for for me, it made it to be a rather shallow experience. Um, yeah, I have not yet tried Pokemon Go. Neither have I. Yeah, well, I'm so. going to give it another. I, I'm interested, but I'm going to wait another two three weeks until yeah. servers stop blowing up every moment. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've I've seen a lot of people play it. It seems really cool. Um, so that that brings me to kind of another question is that um you know thinking about how they've overlaid an experience into a city in an urban environment mm-hmm. basically i that kind of thing actually seems really exciting to me from like a learning game perspective like in what like how could we use like a mobile device that is inherently something you can pick up and travel with mm-hmm. To, to deliver some kind of learning experience that would, you know, overlay a fictional or simulated thing into a real-world environment. Hmm. Well, I think, uh, I guess where I'd start is, you know, so what would be the learning objectives that right. would tie to place? Right. And uh, obviously there's lots of things you can learn by being in places. Honestly, one of the nicest things about Ingress is I found all sorts of little paths and parks near my home sure. that I didn't know existed. Sure. <laughs> I needed to go blow up some jerk stuff over there. Right. Uh, right. And uh, so just getting a better sense of place and path was actually sort of a uh, a secondary objective of that game. And, and that was actually, honestly, that was the lasting good I got out of that game. Okay. That was a really cool thing. So I think... Uh, I mean, I could, I could see it like uh, kind of a very similar uh, in, uh, manifestation of it would be like if you just take you go on a field trip like to the woods mm-hmm. and you can populate whatever area you're in with like the actual bears fauna of oh, that yes yeah okay. exactly yeah, okay. bears and deer and whatever yeah. um and you can see the ways that they might interact with that environment so you probably have to pick like if you're designing this game you'd mm-hmm. have to like pick a specific place so that you could like map it out and have things interact realistically with what's there um but i think that would be kind of a cool use of it is like you can see these animals behaving in their environment mm-hmm. without actually having to be near them and sure <laughs> risk the whole mauling thing. yeah <laughs> well, you know there's pros and cons of mauling <laughs> it's, it's true yeah. if you live through a mauling yeah. You know to avoid mauling. Yeah, you've learned to appreciate not being mauled. <laughs> I don't. I can't think. I don't think I've ever sat down and was ever grateful for not being mauled. <laughs> you know, that's. A, I got to check my privilege. Yeah, this is a moment of reflection. Yeah, check your privilege, everybody yeah, who hasn't think, been mauled. Think about the last time you weren't mauled. Yeah, that I'll was good, right? That. that was good stuff. 
Yeah. Anyhow, any other ideas that you can think of for how that would work? Hold on, I'm still thinking about mauling or not being mauled. Um, Did you watch The Revenant? No, I because uh, that that movie gave me an appreciation for I not being actually mauled. I watched The Revenant up to the point in which Leonardo DiCaprio was like, "Is there a bear out there?" And I was like, "I'm done, I'm done," because it was already plenty dark. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, wasn't like. That's one of those things. That's one of those movies where the eye of the camera does not blink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or look away. I blinked ever. <laughs> I blinked on behalf of the camera. I went and watched uh, uh, Inside Out. After that, that's exactly what I was going to guess. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, <laughs> you need a nice palate cleanser. Yep. And that still got me misty because I'd never, I'd never seen that before. So. I haven't either, but I heard it makes you cry. There's a, it's, it's a little bit of a cheap shot. Okay. It's good though. Yeah. It's a good movie. Up made me cry. Up that is a, a wonderful movie. Yeah, but it made me cry. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Augmented reality. Other yeah. things to do. What else can we do? Uh, <laughs> well, we talked about place. That's obvious. And uh-huh. then you talked about layering information that gives you experiences in those places sure you did. might either be unable or unwilling to have. Yep. Um, unwilling. Right. Well, yeah. Right? <laughs> I don't want to get mauled. I just want to. I want to experience the idea without the ramifications. Uh, <laughs> But I think, you know, I think I mentioned with Pokemon and Ingress, right? I think there's, there is an opportunity to bring people together in space as well, right? So there's opportunities to foster collaboration and, uh, and get people to meet and talk to each other about some common goals that they didn't know they had. So creating community. Mm. That's another credit to Ingress. Very strong community. That's true. Right? That's, That's true. Like you, uh. It's funny to me. You pick a color, essentially. I think it's mm-hmm. blue and green, if I recall. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Smurfs and frogs. Mm-hmm. They even have derogatory terms for each other. But um, you, get, you get really strong feelings about your your color choice. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really strange. Uh, I bleed blue. Yeah, and it's... Right. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's another thing that if you had goals around creating new communities and fostering communication and getting people to talk about issues that happen in places... Uh, then no, augmented reality would be pretty cool to try. Yeah, and you know that's one of those. I, I just being a an outsider to that whole thing, mm-hmm. I could always tell when I was looking at an Ingress player. Oh yeah, <laughs> when I was walking or driving through town, you know, like um, I mean specifically because there are a couple of very very passionate Ingress players at yeah. Filament at that time. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. And it was like always the same, like three guys out there. Yeah, um, you're walking at a quick clip. Yeah, your face plastered to your phone screen right tapping fervently right. or just like standing in front of a church yeah and there's no mass like yeah <laughs> you're just there yeah. staring up <laughs> yeah it did make you feel a little bit like a super spy agent because you're like there's other people that know what i know about these places right and i don't okay i've got i want to see if i can find them right it's like uh it's like in that first episode of the new sherlock like if you walk with sherlock holmes you see the battlefield oh yeah yep yep yep, yep. <laughs> that's like right that. it like is that. So I neglected to ask you something earlier. Oh, yeah? What are you playing these days? Oh, boy. It's Overwatch. All Holy right. shamoles. All right. Too much Overwatch. All right. It's uh, up to your neck in Winston knowledge. I'm so bad at Winston. <laughs> I played against a guy, and I was like, this guy is an amazing Winston. And I was like, that was some great Winstoning. That's <laughs> what I said after the match. That was the, some great Winstoning, because he just destroyed me. The, the finest Winston I've ever known. Yeah. And he said, he said uh, number one in North America is what he said. 
Yeah. I have no idea if that was true. Right. But it certainly felt like it because I was like, I just couldn't believe how wrecked. Yeah. Who's the governing body that I mean, there is ranking. Winston's. There is, there is a ranking set okay. up. Okay. Yeah. Right. So there is, it's conceivable that he knows that. Okay. Uh, uh, but I have no idea if it's true. Um, but certainly Blizzard's definitely demonstrated that the skill ceiling for Overwatch is really high. All right. You can be really bad at Overwatch compared to other people, even if you think you're pretty good. I don't, I, this is one of those things where I saw a headline and I like went, huh, and then kind of moved on with my life. But <laughs> um, I had seen that there was a gal that was accused of cheating in the game, and then they like made her play just in front of people and it was proven that she was not in fact cheating she was just like freakishly good sure probably some <laughs> probably some sniping stuff i see yeah i think so so yeah, it was, uh, yeah it was one of those things where it was like your precision can't possibly be this on point and she yep. was like well let me show you <laughs> it is in fact this good yeah it's a lot of those uh 180 the 180 no scopes of course so to speak right of course what well, you are scoped in that one but yeah it's right. uh, yeah there's there's incredible players uh there's incredible things that happen yeah and it's uh one thing of interest is at least currently uh, the cantankerous parts of the community feel that the competitive system is fairly busted interesting your penalties for losing games are very high and your penalties for your your rewards for winning games are very low so it's very easy to like go many rounds of wins and lose all that progress in a single loss. That's Even what that, always yeah. frustrated me about the arena system in WoW. Mm-hmm. It's like very similar. Like you could lose once and just get your rating ranking just tanked. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's uh so if many people are like, you might as well just not play. Don't play competitive. And <laughs> uh that'll be yeah. I find that in the Venn diagram of cantankerous and competitive. Right? <laughs> yes, very high. A massive amount of overlap. Yep. I also have I have a friend who is Without a doubt, like multiple times better than I am at Overwatch, mm-hmm. and he's at least last we talked, he was about I was at fifty one, or and he was at like sixty four. Okay, and the idea to me that there is the gradient that I have to be as good as him to get another ten points because mm-hmm. I was like, no thanks, it's just not, <laughs> it's not worth it. I'd rather, I'd rather go play and lose in the in it's the quick play version. Severe diminishing returns there, basically yeah. on your skill. Yeah, mm. but lovely game, fully right. engrossing. Very cool. Uh, totally playing too much. All right. Yes. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last thing I played was a little bit of uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Mm. They put out their Dark Brotherhood expansion. Oh yeah. Just recently. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. A lot of a, So they're good guys, right? I see them. The dark. They, yeah. No, I know. Exactly. Right. I know who they are. <laughs> yeah, I great, know who they great are. Great fellas. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, they're just a club for murdering. <laughs> <laughs> just one of those clubs. Just one of those murder clubs. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, they, I think they do a really good job of that game of getting it as close as they possibly could. So it uses the Havoc engine, mm-hmm. which is kind of a generic cookie cutter MMO engine that is also the engine behind Star Wars The Old Republic. Oh, wow, okay. So it's, they push that engine as far as they possibly can to what uh, Bethesda actually has for Skyrim and uh, Fallout and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not one-to-one, but I am, I, I like really admire the approximations that they manage mm-hmm. in an MMO setting, because a lot of that stuff, I can't imagine the the technical difficulty of trying to do it. Right. Um, 
but you know, there's like there's really goofy stuff. Like the, you know, everybody's after the same target in oh, like sure. in a given city. So you like go to that target, and there's like ten of her lying yes. dead on the ground already. <laughs> you know that kind of thing where right. it's like the MMO sort of breaks the whole like I'm the hero. Yeah. Do you remember Gammon and uh, World of Warcraft? Yes, the Torrin. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, that poor poor Torrin. Yeah, I think oh. in uh, I want to say it was like in Cataclysm they like made him overpowered like they made him like level 100 so well, people couldn't uh, kill him anymore or something i forget i definitely know they made him a key figure in the lore mm-hmm. he like became a pivotal character right. this poor guy the that got Ogumar. just beat up in the tavern yeah. every day yeah good stuff uh, really is good stuff yeah so let's see finally mm-hmm. as i do every week now i'm going to try oh no to fool you oh no <laughs> Well, since we last last time we played, uh, what are we calling this now? It's fact or fabrication? Fact or fabrication? Yeah, it's a good title. Yeah, um, it is good. Thanks, Shane. I revealed my strategy for determining, right? Uh, which I think is fact or fabrication, right? So I, I guess I'm just asking, have you calibrated today's? I have, I have countered you. <laughs> okay. A riposte. All right. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Now the theme of the theme. today's fact or fabrication is augmented reality oh yeah, yeah what is that it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh <laughs> it's, uh it's like when uh you know um, it's yeah like, it's, it's like reality plus some stuff yeah yeah like an overlay or yeah. a hud yeah um, like sunglasses or it's like pokemon go basically ice cream yeah yeah no dan no. <laughs> it's not like ice cream what i could be it's me now yeah and then if I had ice cream, that'd be augmenting my reality. It's just augmented it, Norton. Yeah, <laughs> augment. <laughs> it's a different genre. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a popular genre. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Are you ready for this? You ready for these Yeah. These two facts? Yes. Which They're two facts. Okay. As far as you know. Um, Wait, so I... Okay, okay, no, go ahead. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> all right. I have no questions. All right, number one. One of the earliest conceptual mentions of augmented reality occurred in 1901 when H.G. Wells first mentions the idea of an electronic display or spectacles that overlays data onto real life, in this case people, and it was called a character marker. So the concept was that you could put on glasses and look at a person and get like their name and their stats and stuff. And who was that? H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells. Uh, The next fact is almost a century later. The phrase augmented reality was coined in 1990 and is attributed to Thomas P. Caudell, a former Boeing researcher. Hmm. All right. <laughs> um, let's see. So the first one's obviously more interesting. Well, I mean, Thomas P. Caudell might take offense to that. Yeah, sorry, Thomas. <laughs> you actually probably are alive, so that's... Yeah, sorry. Uh, we'll send you some filament swag if you drop us a line. We're, yeah, we're going to yeah. need to record like a separate apology episode yeah, for, yeah. for this podcast. I, I have this lovely a lot of phone shade. holder that I can send you That you know, if, you, if you're listening. Very sorry. But anyway, so the first one's more interesting, but I can't decide whether that is a trap or not. Like, should I be drawn to the boring name? Uh, I mean, the the trap is the segment. <laughs> you, you, you have already been snared. Already in the, it's true. Um, okay, I I have no information that I can use to apply leverage on either one of these as being the factor fabrication. Uh, I'm going to go with 
H.G. Uh, Wells, uh, that's a fabrication. That's what I'm going with. You are correct. Yeah! That is a fabrication. It's too interesting. It was too interesting. Well, so the only thing I changed is the author. Ah! It's actually L. Frank Baum, of all people. Okay. Who, if you don't know, was famously the author of The Wizard of Oz. Ah! Seminal literary figure. Oh, yeah. Didn't he have... Uh, there were glasses in The Wizard of Oz, wasn't there? I believe so. Emerald spectacles? I think so. I don't know. Maybe. There's an Emerald City. They probably had I'm glasses. I'm pretty sure there, there were some spectacles and they were important. Any sufficiently advanced Emerald City <laughs> is, <it? laughs> is fused with Emerald spectacles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I swapped in H.G. Wells because he was traditionally sci-fi, so I thought that would throw you. But Yeah. It was too interesting. You're right. It was too interesting. Mr. Boeing, I was like, eh. Eh. <laughs> He's again, probably a bad, again, apologies he, yeah. to Thomas P. Cardell. I'm just saying he's probably a bad person, <laughs> right? I mean, that's probably, when you think about it. It's true. I yeah, mean. He probably coined it for nefarious purposes. No doubt. Possibly to cover some type of debts in his life, personal. Oh, God. I don't know. This is. Just spitballing. Just jokes <laughs> and not actually slander. There's a new tagline for the podcast. <laughs> Just jokes, not actually not slander. Not actually slander. All right. Well, on that lovely note. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Filament Games podcast. If you'd like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and what goes on inside our studio, subscribe today on iTunes or Stitcher. 